So today I would like to um, invite you to open your Bibles with me, please, in the book of Acts, chapter 2. Now, let me, let me say, of course, being Pentecost, we want to talk about the day of Pentecost, but um, the Apostle Peter said that Acts chapter 2, the Acts chapter 2 account and the arriving or the coming of the Holy Spirit upon the disciples was the fulfillment of, of the prophet Joel, that in the later days the Holy Spirit will, will come upon everyone, not only for a, a, a peculiar um, special group of people, not only to the Jews, but to everyone. And we see in the book of, of Acts how the Holy Spirit came upon all the, all the Jews in Jerusalem meeting for the feast in Acts chapter 2. But in Acts chapter 8, we see the Holy Spirit coming upon the Samaritans, which were like second-class Jews, uh, you know, for the Jews at least, you know, and they were people that came after the two uh, different... Um, uh, deportations or the two different uh, diasporas um, after the northern kingdom were, um, you know, conquered in 722 um, um, BC by the Assyrians, and then later on the southern kingdom in in 586 BC by the Babylonians. And when they all came back from all that turmoil, they they gathered together, and some of them they they were mixed with. Um, pagan traditions, etc., etc. So that became the Samaritans, among other, other things. And, uh, and the Jews didn't want to have anything to do with them. And then they start finding new ways to worship. They worship in a different capital, in a different mountain. They have different traditions. And Jesus Christ came and, and spoke to them. We see that in John chapter 4, how he's talking to the woman at the well. And, uh, and she's asking all these theological questions. And the Lord Jesus Christ he says... For there will be one day, and the time has arrived, it's already here, where the Father is searching for true worshipers who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. Amen? In spirit and in truth. Is that we have a Trinitarian approach here. The Father is looking for people to worship Him in the spirit and in truth. And truth is not a philosophy or an idea. Truth is a person. Jesus Christ earlier says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one goes to the Father except through me. So we have this wonderful picture of Jesus coming to the Samaritans and saying, guys, this is also for you. Hallelujah. And, and he also ministered to Gentiles. So we see Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit coming upon, upon the disciples and, and the fulfillment of the, prof, the promise and the, and the prophecy that Jesus um, said above them, that if they wait, they, the Holy Spirit will come upon them. And then chapter 8, as I said earlier, the Holy Spirit comes to the Samaritans. And then in chapter 10, the Holy Spirit comes upon the Gentiles. So we have, uh, let's say, the three different accounts of the arrival of the Holy Spirit upon the church. And then in chapter 15 of the book of Acts, of course, we have the Council of Jerusalem where the mother church embraced everyone. Hallelujah. And everyone was under the same umbrella. Hallelujah. Under the same name, the same baptism, the same spirit. Hallelujah. And we see the beauty of the, of the birth of, of the church, if you like, as, as we understand it today. It's not just for the Jews. It's not just for the Samaritans. It's not just for the Gentiles. It's for everyone. Hallelujah. And here in, in Acts chapter 2, we're going to be reading the first few verses. Uh, there's a wonderful story. I will be reading from the New King James Version this morning. And I'm pretty sure Chema and Oz will help me. Um, with, the, with the presentation. It says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. 
Look at that. They were all with one accord in one place. They were together. They were in unity. They were not just together, but they were in unity. And suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each other, or upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Verse 5, And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when, it's, when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in, their, in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to the to one another, look, are not all of these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, Visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. That's 15 nationalities there. We heard them speaking in our own tongue the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Verse 13, others mocking said, they are full of new wine. They're drunk. Hallelujah. Now, the amazing thing about this section, and I, I love to read this passage, is because the first part, if we can divide this in, 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 in points, if you like, it's actually two sections, two simple sections. The first one, in my Bible, says the coming of the Holy Spirit, verses 1 to 4. But then from verse 5, it says the crowd's response. The text we read just, is, is just divided in two distinctive sections, the coming of the Holy Spirit and the crowd's response. How interesting, isn't it? That for every work of the Holy Spirit, there is the need of our respond. Hallelujah. Whether it's sanctification, ministry, spiritual gifts, baptism in the Holy Spirit, etc. God is a gentleman. He does not push in. He always knocks at the door of your heart. This is one of the many differences between, you know, walking in the, with the Holy Spirit. He doesn't force you. He walks with you. He will not take you any farther that you want to go, but he wants to and encourage you to go deeper and deeper in his presence. Hallelujah. Um, I want to talk to you about, about this story, and I want to talk to you about the three types of people and the three types of attitudes that you see in this particular text. And you have probably heard me speaking about this before. I have, I have taught about this earlier, but I want to I want to speak to your heart this morning, and I want to encourage you to reflect on the three different people and the three different attitudes that people took towards the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. So the, the first time of people that I want to talk to you is um, those who were waiting with one accord in one place, in verse 1. Waiting. So that's after Jesus Christ has died and resurrected from the dead. And the Bible says that for about 40 days, the Lord is um, showing himself to about 500 people. He's witnessing that he has come back to life, 
that death could not hold him, that death had no grip on him. And then after those 40 days, he ascended to heaven, and all the disciples were there seeing him gone, and they were all looking up, you know, what's going on here? He's gone. And then the angels come and say, what are you looking for? The way that you saw the Lord going up, he's going to come down one day. Hallelujah, what an amazing promise. That he's not just gone and leaving us alone, but he has a purpose for us. And he says, it's good for me that I go, because if I don't go, I will not be able to send the Holy Spirit. And he will guide you to all truth. Again, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So the Holy Spirit's job is to guide us to Jesus. Hallelujah. And the amazing thing about him, he's, he's quite convincing. Quite convincing at the point that we have never seen Jesus with our own eyes, and we're in love with him already. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. He's convincing us of how amazing Jesus is, right? He, he helps us to, uh, to feel his presence. He, 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 he is, he's amazing. The Holy Spirit is amazing. And then Jesus ascended to heaven, but previously he said to them, go back and wait because in not many days I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. They were saved. The Holy Spirit was even blown upon them when they were sent to the missions. So we are talking about believers who had the Spirit. But this was a different experience. This is the Holy Spirit coming for something very specific. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, that's the key verse in the whole book. It says, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Judea, in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, this is an amazing story because the Lord Jesus is saying, I'm going, and you think that with me leaving, everything is over. But actually, he says, when I go, after I have done my part, that's actually when everything starts getting interesting. This is when you will receive the Holy Spirit, and you will be dynamized. You know, that, that, that word is, is, is the, same, the same root from dynamite. You know, you know the Holy Spirit is explosive. The Holy Spirit will, will, will create something in your heart that people will not have to pull you. It will drive you. It will be within you. And then the Lord says, just wait for that. So 120 people waiting in the upper room, probably the same room where they have the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper. And 120 waiting for 10 days. I mean, think about that. Men, women, children... 120. We, we have this refrain or this proverb in Spain, you know, when, uh, when, you, when you get visitors in your house, Faith Ralph, this is, not, this is not for you guys, you are great. When you receive visitors in the house, there's this saying that is like, you know, visitors are like fish. After three days, starts thinking, right? <laughs> it sounds very rude in English, I know, but in Spanish, it means like, you know, and it's a psychological thing. Right? Uh, we've got some psychologists here that could confirm that. But if you go to a youth camp, on the third day is when problems start happening. When people get together after three days, at the beginning it's all excited and this is great. After three days, we just start, you know, um, you know um, how do you call this? Um, friction and uh, how do you say the, the, the feather thing? Um, how do you call it? That's right. That's the one. Neil, thank you for that. You see, so we start getting, you know, a bit uncomfortable with one another. We want our space. We, we, we demand our, you know. Um, my, my wife says that when I, I, I am in a bad attitude, she says, you are selfish, possessive, and territorial. 
So that's, that's, what, we, that's what we become sometimes, you know? <laughs> Selfish, possessive, and territorial. These guys were in the upper room for 10 days. That's three days, three times, and over. Imagine, right? All from the same area. They were from Galilee. They were from the north. They have an accent, okay? Everyone, when Peter spoke, he says, you're from Galilee, aren't you? You are different. It's like, you know, if you are in the UK and you hear someone talking from Scotland, right? You know, oh, that's, that's a Scottish guy, right? You, you can, you know, in, in, in Germany will be the Schwabish, right? Sagamol. You know, they will be very, very, very particular in the way they speak. In, in Spain will be the Andalusians. You know, we speak half of the words, we ate half of it. You know, we, you, know you just have to learn it. You know, you learn Spanish, you go to Andalu Andalusia, you know, you have to relearn again. You know, it's like going to Baki, okay? Uh, it's, it's very, very different, very different, okay? 120 people, some of them very, from very sort of hands-on jobs, like fishermen, all Galileans in the upper room waiting for 10 days. And the key factor of this kind of people was obedience. They were not the smartest. They were not the most qualified. They were obedient. They had an encounter with the Lord. They have seen the Lord dying. They have seen the Lord resurrected. They have seen the Lord um, ascending to heavens. They have heard the Lord giving what we know today like the Great Commission in Matthew 28. And, and uh, he says, that, go to all the world and preach the gospel. But he says, before you do that, you need to wait to the promise of my Father. And I will baptize you. That's why Jesus Christ is the baptizer with the Holy Spirit. And you then will receive power to go and witness. Uh, Dr. John Sins will, will explain this with a pair of scissors. And a pair of scissors is basically two knives put together, isn't it? And then he says, the power of the Holy Spirit is power with purpose. It's not just power in itself. Power in itself destroys. If you see, you know, uh, you know, a powerful event, a tsunami, a storm, you know, uncontrolled power always destroys. But that's the amazing thing. God is not power in itself, although he's almighty. He surrounds his power with his identity. God is love. So the power of God is contained within his love. That's why. We can trust in him. Hallelujah. And he says, you will receive power because the power will give you the purpose, right? Power and purpose. You preach the gospel, but you preach it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And these people understood that. They were waiting for 10 days, that promise. Can you imagine the conversations those 10 days? I wish I could be um, a fly on the wall, on the wall although I've heard that uh, flies don't have ears, so they, they cannot hear, actually. They are deaf, so I'm, I'm not sure if that's good or not. But, but, but you know the saying, you know, I wish I could be there somehow. I could hear. I could see through a hole or something, you know. Can you imagine the conversations? I mean, they have seen the Lord Jesus for three and a half years preaching the gospel, giving food to the, to, to the poor, you know, multiplying, you know, for the 5,000, etc., etc. Right? I mean, think about that for a minute. What... What would be the conversations? Like, you know, 
I mean, I can imagine if I would be there with John, I would say, John, what do you, what do you think that, it, you know, what do you think the whole, that Holy Spirit thing will be? I mean, power, I mean, I'm going to get electrocuted or, can you imagine that? You know, they were having their figs and then their, 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 their meals, their nuts, they will be just, you know, sharing with one another. What do you think this is going to be? Some people say, well, I don't know, but it must be good. I mean, it's coming from the Lord. I mean, just imagine that for a minute. How cool it would that be? We're just sitting there, just doing nothing. You know, that would drive us nuts because we want to do things all the time. One, you know, 120 people for 10 days sitting around. Well, I don't really know what they were doing, but they were waiting. I guess they were preparing meals. They were tidying up. They were entertaining the kids. 120 people for 10 days waiting after the first day. Do you think this is going to happen? I said, after the second day, after the third day when the fish, you know, after a week, day nine, Lord, are you, are you sure? You know, we have business to attend. You know, Lord, are you sure? And on the 10th day, it's this big, massive noise, like a storm, like a, like a windstorm that shake the place. And the Holy Spirit came in a mighty, powerful way. You see, sometimes the Holy Spirit decides to talk to us like in a whisper. But don't underestimate him. He can come with a mighty wind. Pneuma is the name of the Spirit, which means wind, right? So he came with his identity, and he came with fire and tongues. And the Bible says that they were... People that came to the feast, good men, you know, good people, religious people, devoted, that came to worship at Jerusalem. And they, they came, and, and then all of a sudden, when these people are speaking in tongues, apparently those tongues were evangelistic tongues. And they were saying in different languages, although they were Galilean, and they have never learned those languages. They were speaking in 15 different languages. At least that's, that's the, the, the number of nations that are mentioned in the scripture, 15 different nationalities. These are Jewish people who were living in Rome, in the Arab world, and they would, you know, they will know the, those languages. They probably were born in those places. That was their mother tongue, although they were Jewish and came to Jerusalem to worship, but that was their mother tongue. And then all of a sudden they are in Jerusalem, in Jerusalem at 9 o'clock in the morning, which by the way, it was, it was mandatory in Pentecost for everyone to fast until 10 o'clock. That's why some people said, no, they're drunk. They couldn't be. They could not drink or eat until 10 o'clock, and it was 9 o'clock in the morning. Those details are important in the Bible because you get the bigger picture. They were supposed to be fasting. And then all of a sudden, they start speaking in tongues. And the noise must be so huge that everyone comes out of their homes and they go to that upper room place, and we don't know how many people, but the Bible says that everyone came out to check what's going on here. What's happening? It looks like a tornado just came low flight right there. What is this massive noise? We don't know how many people were there, but 3,000 responded to the preaching and got, and got saved and got baptized. So they probably did more. Thousands of people around the house hearing this crazy 120 Galileans speaking in tongues and shouting in 15 different languages the wonders of God. Evangelistic messages. 
And then Peter, the last time we see him was denying the Lord Jesus. And we thank so much for the Apostle John that he wrote an extra chapter, 21, explaining his restoration. Hallelujah. Otherwise, it wouldn't make any sense to us. And he stands up. And in about a, in about a hundred words, he preached a message. A fisherman, a no one, a coward, days before, stood up. And not Rehar Bonke, no Billy Graham, no one in a hundred words speak, spoke a message. And 3,000 people received the Lord Jesus Christ and get baptized on the day. Why? Because of obedience. Why? Because they were crazy enough to believe God. Hallelujah. They believe God. They have an encounter with God. They know better. And they were waiting and waiting. And we're going to be here as long as we have to be. It took 10 days. It could take three or it could take a year. But we're going to be here. I mean, how many people did Jesus minister in his lifetime? Thousands, probably hundreds of thousands, if not more. In a particular occasion, 5,000 families were fed. In another occasion, 4,000. In another occasion, they wanted to make him a king in a particular town or city. Thousands of people were impacted by his ministry. He was hardly, he was basically by himself at the cross. But after he showed up to over 500 people, only 120 were still waiting. Jesus Christ was not a, a man of success. Success is a business terminology. If you, if you look at numbers, like the business world will tell you, he was a failure. He was not a successful minister, but he was a victorious one because what he did, it changed the course of time at the point that we even count our years today from the, from the time that we more or less think he was born. 2022, the year of our Lord, he changed the world with 12 uneducated Galileans. Hallelujah. Obedience. If you are one of those who had an encounter with the Lord, had an experience, I want to encourage you to keep on obedience. Keep on doing what is right. Don't look at the circumstances. Don't look at the scenario that sometimes can be very discouraging. You know better. And the Lord is encouraging you to keep on going. To keep on going. To wait for the promise. Because there will be a, a, wonderful, a wonderful end. Hallelujah. But let me talk to you again uh, about the second type of people. We mentioned before that there were a lot of people there who were um, visiting from every nation. Verse 5. From every nation. And they were amazed and perplexed and spoke to one another in verse 12 about what was going on. These were good people. These were devoted people. These were people that didn't know better, but they wanted to do what was right. They left their homes. They spent days, if not weeks and months, traveling to Jerusalem to worship God because Pentecost was one of the important pilgrimage. And they were there. And then all of a sudden, the Lord, knowing also their hearts, spoke in 15 different languages a message from heaven so they could understand relate and respond. The, th the same thing that we have prayed for the kids. 
And then all of a sudden, the Lord forgets all of the world that he sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but receive everlasting life. And even in that particular scenario, where he's fulfilling the, promise, the prophecy or the promise of Joel, the Lord had time for those who didn't have the full picture. So the key point for us here is revelation. They needed that revelation. They were, they were devoted. They were religious. You know, we can classify here, uh, if you like, you know, those who are involved in traditional religious systems. And they, they, they love God. And they do what they think they have to do, but they are missing that quick, that revelation that will, that will create that dynamics inside of them. So these people were good. They were obedient. But they lack revelation. And the Lord says, you came the right day. I'm going to minister to you. And you will be able. And at the moment, they were religious. They were devoted. But they believed. They responded. And then they got baptized. That's baptism, by the way, is the entrance to obedience. Why do you think the Lord Jesus Christ asked us to believe and be baptized? Because the moment that you enter the new kingdom, you need to start knowing the rules of the new kingdom. And the rules of the new kingdom is obedience. Obedience to the Lord. So the Lord says, believe and get baptized. Hallelujah. Of course, we, we know it's full of symbolisms. And, and we know that, you know, salvation is, is not, you know, by getting wet. We know that, you know, you are saved by repentance and, and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And He, His work saves you, not your jumping in the pool. But it's very important to understand that baptism is part of the package of salvation in terms of belief. But from now on, you need to start walking in obedience. And that's why baptism is important, among other things, of course. They need the revelation. So I want to encourage you, if you are one of those that, you know, you, are, you love the Lord, you are excited, but you don't fully understand the, the whole picture, just pray to the Lord for revelation. And if you are one of those that have got the revelation already, keep on doing what you're supposed to do. Keep on proclaiming the word. Keep, keep, on, keep on worshiping and keep on shining for the Lord. Hallelujah. But then finally, I want to talk to you about the third type of group, which are those who mocked wrongly, assuming and judging out of ignorance. Verse 13. These people didn't know anything. They were probably uh, just around there. They are the, the locals, uh, the people that have seen it all, you know, have seen Jerusalem, you know, over and over every single year. These are the people that sometimes grew up in church and they became immune to anything of the Spirit because maybe the church has not given them a good example. Maybe because they got disillusioned with, with, with churchy staff and churchy people. And they are there in Jerusalem in the, in the, in, in the cradle of, of religion. And they're just passing by, and they're, oh, an, an, another crazy group. Another, another show, an, another event, another thing which is irrelevant for me. And they're like, what's that? Noise, people doing weird things at weird times of day, they must be drunk. But even to them, the Lord had, had time for them. Because then Peter stood up. And then he says, brothers and sisters, these are not drunk because it's, it's the ninth hour. 
we're still fasting until 10. But what happened here is this. And then he gave this amazing explanation. He didn't give a lot of shouting and drama and circus. He gave an explanation. It's so important for us to give an explanation to people. Not shouting, but an explanation, a teaching. And these poor people, you know, uh, they are the people who are who feels that the message is irrelevant, that has nothing to do with them, and they have nothing to do for God or for religion, but they're there. They're the people of the land. Um, these are the ones who are concerned about self, that demand constant motivation. There's nothing more sad than a church of people like that. I give thanks to the Lord that is not in this church. Not in this church, in other churches, right? You know, those people that are constantly asking for motivation, the worship team is never good enough. The pastor is never good enough. The brothers and sisters, they don't love me enough. They don't value my talents and what I can bring. Have you ever heard about that? This is unfamiliar. It sounds very familiar to me, unfortunately. Those people that are constantly demanding more. That everyone is guilty about everything, but they don't take responsibility and accountability of themselves. They're passing by. They don't care about anything because they just worry about themselves. Oh, they're drunk or whatever. It has nothing to do with me, but I keep on looking. And, uh, you know, yeah, it's silly, but I keep... I don't know what's going on there, but this is not normal. I'm not, I'm not happy with this. I must be drunk. I mean, what, what else could it be? It's just, it's just, it's just crazy. Cannot be. That's, that's absolutely nuts. No, 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 no. What, what, what's going on? Who's that guy? Who's that guy standing up there? And I get close and see what he says. And then Peter stood up and gave a message. And I believe that part of those 3,000, they were not only type 2 people who got saved. Probably some of these guys all of a sudden heard the message for the first time in a different manner. They probably heard the message many times, but they were immune. But all of a sudden, they heard a message in the power of the Holy Spirit. They saw a fisherman like never before, glowing and full of the power of God, speaking truth like only the Holy Spirit can do because he's the one who drives us to the Lord Jesus. And he's speaking. And all these people all of a sudden, their heart is melted. And then they only, they didn't only realize what was going on there, but the Apostle Paul gave them an amazing church history lecture within a hundred words. And then when he finished, you know what they said? Brother Peter, what shall we do? That's his response. What shall we do? And the Apostle Peter says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, get baptized. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And they did. And about 3,000 people that day got saved. I want to encourage you to meditate on these words. You know, whether you are type 1, type 2, or type 3, God has a time and has a message for you. It is imperative for people type 1 to fulfill their part in order to cause an impact. You see, all this was able to happen because type 1, if you like, the obedient ones 
took their time and were obedient. It is obedience that will change the course of life. When you are obedient to God in whatever He's asking you to do, whether it's easy or difficult, when you are willing to do what God is asking you to do, wonderful things will happen. Right? Let me just show you the last slide here. I want to ask, to invite you to, to take action. The task that we have in our hands, if you are one of those waiting on the promise, if you are one of those waiting for the coming of the Lord, if you had an experience with the Lord, the Lord is asking you to keep on focusing on your purpose. And your purpose and my purpose is to worship, is to have a relationship with the Lord, is to be genuine. Not religious, but genuine. Or if we do religion, let's do it in the proper context, in the context of covenant keeping. Right? That's the, the first task. You know, we have to keep on doing what we are doing. Number two, those who are confused, those who are devoted, but they don't have the full explanation, the Lord is encouraging us to keep on exposing the word clearly and boldly. And that's what the, the book of Acts called the kerygma, which is not the charisma. Charisma is about gifts, about grace. But kerygma means proclamation. The whole book of Acts is about kerygma. It's about the proclamation of the gospel. And we should bring that provision to people. That's what has been happening here this week in the different events. But it's important that we proclaim the word of God boldly and clearly. Sometimes we are very boldly. We are very bold, but we are not clear. And sometimes we are very clear, but we are too shy. The apostles, they said to the Lord, the apostles said to the church, please pray for, for us so we will preach the word boldly. They knew it clearly. They, they, could, they, 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 know all, they knew all their theology, but they needed that boldness to step out, step up and, and share the word. And then finally, For those who are confused, for those who are not interested at all because they have been wounded and hurt or they have never been able to hear the message properly, our job is to carry out the task of ministry. You know, our service, our, our devotion, our... Um, our... Our faith... Put it into practice. When we do that, sometimes you will be able to reach these people by a food bank or through a charity because they need to be exposed to a new type of Christianity. Not to Christians who talk a lot and don't do anything, but to Christians that really mean it. So we are encouraged to keep on carrying out the task of ministry. And that's protection. The Bible describes the walls of the church as ministry, which protects the church. Neil, give me a hand. Please, sir. And this is what I want to share with you. Now, the final conclusion is, what type of people are we? What type of people are you? If you are type 3, the mockers, the irrelevant and ignorance in terms of religious things. 
You need an encounter with God. Hallelujah. God bless him. Woo. Hallelujah. If you are type 2, those who are searching for more while trying their best, you need a revelation. We need the revelation. But if you feel that you are type 1, those who are doing what the Lord has told you to do, you need to continue pursuing the walk of obedience to cause an impact in your community, in your family, people around you. So Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the privilege that we have to be here today. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege that we have for many of us, Lord, to experience actually the three steps. We were mockers and we were not interested at all until your Holy Spirit ministered to us through different people, through different experiences. Sometimes it was by a great testimony or by the word. Or we were going through a very, very difficult time and we just felt you speaking in our hearts. But thank you that we became believers. I thank you also that no, not only we were believers, but you spoke with a word of revelation. Even when we were well established into the religious system. And you spoke to us words of life. And Lord, from being a passive believer, we became active believers. So, Lord, we pray that we will be, that we will continue being active believers. I pray for every brother and sister here today, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you will touch every single one of us. That we will not go back, Lord, but that we will continue walking in you, walking in obedience. Lord, we know it's hard sometimes. We know that it's not straightforward, but we pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will speak to our hearts. And I pray, Lord, today. For every single individual in this room or hearing through Zoom or in the years to come through the recording and through the internet, that as, as they hear these words, Lord, your Holy Spirit will, 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 will produce something in their hearts, the ability to understand and respond. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Hallelujah. We're going to do something different here today as, as Neil is ministering to us. I will invite you if, you, if anyone wants to come at the front and, and pray and ask the Lord to speak to you, I will leave the altar open. Um, you can come here and pray or I can pray for you if you want. I don't have to. If you just feel like, Lord, I want to commit or recommit my life to you. Lord, I want to dedicate my life to you. Lord, I want you to Minister to me. Lord, I need that extra beat. I need that revelation. Lord, I need that encounter. Lord, I need you. I will invite you to come forward. Don't be shy. Hallelujah. The presence of the Lord is here. Hallelujah. He has promised that when two or three gather together in his name, there he is. Is there anyone that would like to come and pray? You don't only have to ready dedicate your life. You can just come and pray. You could just come and intercede for your city and your family. Maybe your parents are not believers yet or your children. Hallelujah. We will live this time of prayer together. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.